Let Sorry. me put it that way. If someone offered me to edit the chapter entirely and perfectly in exchange for me allowing them to violently kick me in the nuts, I would actually seriously consider their offer. So yeah, there's just, I can't, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't relate. I don't understand. I hate editing with every fiber of my being. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and Royal Road. Welcome to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast where a German guy is attempting to make friends with a French. Hi. Hello. Alex, how are you doing? Desperate causes. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> Thank you for having me around. I apologize in advance for the heavy French accent, but you know. I've been told that it's attractive, so I'm not making any efforts to lose it. Absolutely, perfectly fine. Uh, people have told me in the comments of, of several podcasts or, of, well, the Maxime podcast that they actually love the French accent and that was great. Yeah, just so. I'll keep it light so it remain, uh, remains intelligible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this time actually with video. So if you're looking at me, then you can see me. Hi. Hello. You can also see Alex. So um, I decided to try this whole thing with video because apparently YouTube likes it. So if you're new and you're on YouTube and you click this, you fell into my trap. <laughs> Hi. Um, with me today is Alex Gilbert, better known as his online handle, Mechanimus, uh, author of novels such as The Calamitous Bob and the recently finished Journey of Black and Red, a book that I love. So why did you write a story about a vampire, lady vampire, in the 1750s in Southern America? Right, so there is a, an extended uh, universe around it, in a way. So, <laughs> so, you know, when you get into a genre and you, you figure out something, for example, the first time I got into urban fantasy, I read uh, uh, Jim Butcher, who remains uh, one of the mm -hmm. greatest names. So... You usually read like the first recommendation, the thing that always pops up. So for, pro for example, for progression fantasy, I think it would be Cradle or Mother of Learning or others. I would not list them here, but you know what I mean. And then you realize you love it. It scratches every itch you never knew you had and you're absolutely in love with it and you absolutely want more of it. So you will dig a little bit and then you have like 10, 12 great names and great series and you will devour them and they're, they're still great. They're absolutely great. It's, it's a little bit different, perhaps not as fresh as the very first experience, but really fun. And then you start getting into the middle of the pack and things get a little bit iffy and perhaps there are some of the stories you don't really finish and then you start looking for more and then you start like scratching oh, no. the bottom of of the barrel and this was what yeah. i got with basically vampire fiction because it was um, heavily dominated outside of great name like anne rice great names sorry like mm -hmm. anne rice it's heavily dominated by really bad romance so after like the third or fourth romance or more than that actually i was like uh, this isn't really a good use of the vampire mythos there's no not one vampire, it's more like a, an archetype, a bit like uh, uh, Achilles or Spider-Man. Some of the ideas I really loved, some of the concepts I really loved. And some others, um, much less so. I had this 
this flash of inspiration. A lot of the vampire fictions are seen from the perspective of an outsider. And then the vampires are presented mm -hmm. as like old uh, mysterious creatures. And what if I wrote the old mysterious creature, but from the beginning? And with all the mm -hmm. struggles and interesting situation of being a complete outsider to society to the extent she can't live in the, like during the day, etc. And uh, I've, I had a, like a really powerful burst of inspiration and I wrote for two weeks, almost uh, 4,000 words a day after work. So it left me in a state of wow. uh, mental hangover when it was finished that uh, I've not reproduced to this <laughs> day. And that's how it started. And, and then the, the second story started bubble, the Calamitous Pop, because I needed a humorous counterpart to journey, which was uh, already long going and quite serious. I mean, in tone at some mm -hmm. point, and it started as a sort of a joke thing that I wanted to write to uh, relax. And what happened mm -hmm. is that uh, Bob had a much uh, larger reception and much larger audience than, uh, yeah. than uh, Journey. So actually uh, my income took off and then Bob became the sort of uh, flagship project, if uh, I'll use the corporate uh -huh. term. So that's what, and uh, the- th It's corporate. <laughs> <laughs> no, the forbidden language, no. Well, all jokes aside, the last story is more like, I, um, I had several other projects I had the time to think about. And um, actually what I did is I went on Patreon and I said, all right, here is, I think, three projects or two or three projects. And uh, I wrote 50 pages of each and you got a vote for which one you prefer. And the one I wanted oh, to cool. win was called Sidis. And it was a, a demon uh, story with a male protagonist who was a newborn demon. And I really wanted it to be really wild and with a lot of, Sorry, what did you call it again? Salvo? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I know sorry. No, that's a great point because that's actually, the, uh, there are a lot of similarities with uh, Melas's work, but Melas will, the, the, main, the main character goes pretty quickly into uh, a world that's not her own. And yeah. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to explore the cities, which is the, the lowest city. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then go to other worlds, but I would prefer, would have preferred a variety of, uh, very different ones with very, uh, dif uh, different levels of magic technology, et cetera, et cetera. But sadly, mm -hmm. the, cool. this story was completely crushed by the other one, which had a female protagonist and is the <laughs> cyberpunk <laughs> with magic and mixed with portal fantasy and is a homage to the great Korean portal fantasy, such as solo leveling. And now uh, that one won, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so uh, it's the one I'm writing right now. That sounds pretty cool. I uh, just really like the way you presented it to me before we pull the show. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Tower of Somnus. Yes, um, yes. But okay. I I really dig those those stories. I I mean I write science fantasy. Um, I love this mix where mythos meets machine. Mm. Tower of Somnus was a. Uh... Mm. It was not exactly an inspiration because the, the focus was much more on the uh, social struggle aspect of the dystopia. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And uh, what I wanted is more, more of a, I mean, it, it was more uh, three people against corporations in a hopeless setting. While for me, it's more of a class mm -hmm. thing of magic users against not magic users. So for me, Ooh. class warfare, uh, is um more is more the focus for the social uh, aspect of the story. Did you integrate the whole um, 
corporate struggle cyberpunk stuff at all with it uh, or yes i come from a, a very a rather peculiar background that i'm trying to make use of i actually have a bachelor in uh, uh, political science so we studied religion uh, economics uh, politics of course history a lot and i also mm. have spent a lot of time in asia so actually the setting is a uh, um, a fictional place uh, off the coast. I mean, a new, fictional in the sense that uh, it's newly risen from the waves. And um, so there's a, a melting pot of Southeast Asian cultures. So mm -hmm. I really love to include, like, uh, include a lot of um, uh, layers to to this world. So there is a, there is a cooperation, but it's not cooperation against people. It's cooperation against uh, a centralized government in a struggle for uh, more like political influence in a situation where everybody's in a cold war balance because mm. every megacorp is led by extremely powerful users. So essentially mm. that's also strong that any battles between them would be too devastating to the city, uh, especially because it's surrounded ah. by mon monsters, it's surrounded by wildlands. So they, they just can't afford to go to open war. So it's, there's this uh, delicate balance of power between those uh, different users, and there's also um, uh, a balance of power between the ever-increasing uh, population of magic users, who are nicknamed Gleams, mm -hmm. and the normal public, who are mm -hmm. actually the only ones who have access to uh, implants. So a uh, low Gleam will be about as dangerous as a uh, augmented human. So there's a lot of different uh, power at uh, at play and this is really the sort of environment that's extremely alive that i really want to enjoy playing with even though i'm not exactly really good at politics myself or understanding of politics mm. but if there is a lot of threats to pull on there's a lot of opportunity for fun mm. arcs and also i feel like it, it makes the world more alive the one of the flaws in my opinion of lot of young adult stories or or a lot of novel is that there's only one big social um, uh, issue and the entire story including mm -hmm. the, the main characters will heavily revolve around it and it's it's really good for movies for example uh, a child of man I think does that extremely well but I, I really enjoy making the world uh, alive in a complex manner and for me I really prefer when there's a lot of um, different issues uh, and People simply have their agenda, people have their goals, and they, they're often not uh, heavily reliant on the main character. And the main character has to navigate this mm -hmm. complex world and take into account the fact that simply they're not the center of this world. And if they want to make an impact or they want to not make an impact, they need to take all these uh, factors into account. I think it, it makes the story more immersive in a way. Mm. This is pretty dope. That one. The actual Royal Road readers. Yeah. I actually went down and were like, that's that's the thing we're voting for. Sci-fi female protagonist. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah hmm. it's true. I, my hmm. first two are Ariane and Vivian and such a terrible lack of imagination. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Why? Like, okay, they are they are not very um standard American names, I feel. Yeah, pretty French actually. Yeah, although Vivian is from the uh, Arthurian mythos, so I think. Mm. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. Well. I would have to double check. I, I honestly, this is really far outside of my area of expertise, I'm afraid. 
Kalimitos uh, Bob has a lot of reference to the Arthurian mythos, and Journey of Black and Red is uh, much more reliant on Greek uh, mythology for names mm. and, and symbolisms. Mm. Yeah, we spoke about it. I don't know if you want to talk about it again. The audiobooks for Journey of Black and Red, because I loved those. I really did. Yeah. And it breaks my heart that there's not going to be an audiobook for the fifth and sixth one. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, the sales were too low, so Podium has uh, shelved this project for now. Uh, the narrator, mm -hmm. uh, Holly Jackson, I think her name was, uh, is really excellent. So uh, the the issue is mm -hmm. that in order to increase the sales potentially, potentially, I would have to go to mm -hmm. KU, and uh, I made a mm -hmm. commitment to the Royal Road community uh, that. Um, uh, journey as my first story would remain online for free uh, forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't intend to uh, come back on this. However, my hope is that either I'll end up uh, having it done by someone else or perhaps eventually if I take off enough, there will be an incentive for Podium to uh, return and finish, uh, complete the series. Since Journey is completed now, uh, there's a possibility that it, it might happen. So if you're listening to this, go on Audible and buy those audiobooks. Or I will come to your house and find you and ask you very nicely. There you go. For legal reason, I, um, <laughs> I do not approve of this message. That's a joke. That's a joke. The, uh, uh, <laughs> you very much do approve of me coming to people's houses and threatening them. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, Yes. Um, no, no, absolutely not. That would be irresponsible. <laughs> People will like what they like and please buy my book. Um, you know, just talking slowly, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, trying to hypnotize them with my French accent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you? Did you? Did you? Did you ever consider maybe doing a Kickstarter? Uh, nope, because the main issue is not uh, means. Because if I want to have the rest done, I think I can do it even out of my own pocket. The problem is simply mm -hmm. time and effort. It's, uh, I, yeah. we're moving, we're having the family expand and I have two other projects and a lot of things to do. Uh, I'm trying to, I mean, just too busy, simply too busy. Don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I feel your pain. Um, just after the book launch and now I'm back from vacation and I realized, oh crap, I only have three more days until my Patreon backlog runs out. So guess what I'll be doing tonight? If you are a friend of the Kazoo ad, you have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherlaloon went and bought the tier that removes the Kazoo ad from all podcasts and and now just gone so you got Sherlock to thank for that on the other hand if you want to add the kazoo ad again there's a tier for that too thanks so much for listening and let's get on with the show writing just like all of <laughs> but yeah editing oh this editing. is even worse yeah I love editing like editing is where you take the clay that you shaped on the wheel and you trim it into a beautiful vase and like make it all smooth and polished and then you glaze it. It's editing is so cool if you do it right. And then you have like really cool sentences that you, that you put in that you've never thought about while you're just like regurgitating words on the onto the screen. 
ah, oh, man, editing is so cool. Let Sorry. me put it that way. If someone offered me to edit the chapter entirely and perfectly in exchange for me allowing them to violently kick me in the nuts, I would actually seriously consider their offer. So yeah, there's just, I can't, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't relate. I don't understand. I hate editing with every fiber of my being. It's horrible. <laughs> I think that that's how co-writing work, right? One guy just does all the ideas and the other guy just goes in there with a chainsaw going like, I can do this better. That's true. That's oh, true. Cool. Awesome. If uh, my ego cool. could accept someone else touching my baby, uh, I would totally think. I mean, I will, I will gladly offer to kick you in the balls if you want. Like, <laughs> that's your thing. No, 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 no. That, that was a metaphor. I do not actually uh, encourage people doing it. <laughs> Alex Gilbert walking back on his promises is the first one. <laughs> no, no, my internet reputation is ruined. <laughs> I mean, okay. Another shout out. Um, I mean, you could gain levels out of it, right? Have you read um, Taking Hits? Uh, uh, no, actually, I should because I have Patreon access because I'm following uh, when Ascension fails, uh, reincarnate and try mm -hmm. again. So I could, but uh, mm -hmm. haven't read it yet. Uh, I'm so backlogged. You wish you had like like five days, right? Five days for one. Ah, but if um, I have five days, I would yeah. binge play Starfield right now. But yeah. I can I can recommend going going to vacation on, in Italy and just you know reading all the skills and like binging through that. Ah, that was good. Um, all right. But speaking of you know editing and all that kind of stuff, what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? Um, does it count if I came up with the advice myself after listening to several? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'll let it count. I'll allow it. Um. There's a lot of uh, advice that they asked on. I'm sorry, I spent a lot of time already, but there's uh, a lot of advice that asked. And one of them that um, I remembered was um, uh, which uh, which sort of uh, keyboard should I type on? And uh, my first <laughs> reaction was one of, you know, I was a bit speechless. I mean, like, we're just like, I, I, you, you can write on your iPhone and you can still write it. It's words, they don't <laughs> exist. It may exist like virtually. You don't have. You don't need to have a, your special <laughs> keyboard. Just write. And eventually, I realized that it links back to um, another post I saw about someone saying, "If you want to ever succeed uh, in writing, you need to write like two thousand five hundred words a day or something." And then Neil Gaiman mm -hmm. actually uh, uh, drops in the conversation and say he wrote his masterpiece. I, I forgot which one. Uh, at 150 or 300 words per evening, per night. So, Coraline. Uh, that's, that's very nice. I, I honestly uh, don't remember well enough. But what was striking is that, okay, so writing is a medium that's uh, about as diverse as humanity itself. And I'm being very pompous here, but essentially it's true. We're just, it's just like uh, the most basic medium for storytelling that you can think of. Mm -hmm. And, um, or one of the most basic, and I don't want to argue that point. And th there's almost infinite variety in the number of stories or way that you can express yourself or, or create art or, or engage in discussions. But what we don't talk about is that there's actually also an infinite variety of uh, methods to writing. And uh, not everything will work for everyone. And a lot of people burn out because they have uh, expectations of what they should be doing instead of uh, what works for them. And that's like the, mm -hmm. I think that's the crux of it is that uh, a lot of different people will work in different ways when they create. 
And uh, there's even someone who um, I know, uh, Matt has, I think, who mentioned that when he, he realized when he was writing, he was speaking the words at the same time because um, mm. like for him, it was important to voice what was going on. And actually, it's a great advice. You should read what you're writing so that you get the pacing and the rhythm of the sentence uh, and the sentence structuring right. But regardless, the thing is, there's a lot of uh, different um, methods. And what will work for somebody else will not necessarily work for me or you. So there are a lot of good advice, like you should write a little bit every day, which just is a way of saying you should uh, practice regularly, simply. But that don't mm -hmm. take it word for word. If you need to break, if you need breaks every three days, five days, uh, two weeks, just take the break, uh, spend a few days without writing. What's important is there's... What the most important thing is find what works for you, find the rhythm, the method, the technique that works for you. If you are wild, just write in the, the subway like I did <laughs> or not. If you absolutely need an absolutely control environment with your favorite keyboard, the, the, the cup of coffee, this, set this like that. If you only were write 200 words per day, that's also fine. Like the important thing is don't give up, just keep creating and and find your path and find the way to create that makes you happy. And don't necessarily think that because you're not writing as fast as someone else or using the same method as someone else, that you're not going to succeed. That's not what's going to work. Everybody who wants to write should find the, the method of writing that, that really makes them, allows them to flourish, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know some people really love um, dictation. Yeah. Right. I know some people who don't edit at all. I know some people who edit um, while they're writing and then never touch it again. I know some people who need to let it rest. There's so many vectors. I try to map them out at some point. Kind of like, when do you do what? And um, it was almost impossible. There's just too much. Yeah. It's, you can't break it down. That's really good advice. So what is the best keyboard? I have no idea. I started writing on my phone and... Honestly, I would still do it uh, on occasion. So, like, don't ask me. I'm the I'm chaos. I am actually the most productive if I change environment constantly. So, mm. yep. So uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a reference. Also, I can't afford a lot of keyboards in terms of room and availability. So, <laughs> I, I I type better on my stupid laptop than I type on my like really good ergonomic keyboard. It is really weird. So it just goes to show, you're right. Um, and I just saw that darkness fell upon the land in where you are. Oh, uh, light, just one moment. Maxime, is that you? Are you are you doing a thing again? Sadly, no. <laughs> right. He didn't. He didn't say that it's going to be dark. I mean, he, his name is Lloyd Harold, and it's pretty much in the name, right? What else do you want from him? Is it also the the one thing you would go back to? Um, just type regularly or not in the subway or no? I um, when I read the the first things I've I've written, there's um there's different uh, things that uh, I would improve. I, I don't think there is like one absolute flows that except maybe just like the overall quality. But I don't think there is like one absolute flow that I would I need to erase. But there's some uh, major issues with pacing uh, that uh, ne mm -hmm. need to be fixed. And uh, pacing is very important for stories. It's, um, it's uh, mm. an extremely delicate balance between managing expectations, uh, staying fresh, but 
not overstaying one's stay. Uh, it, 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 mm. it's, for me, it's very complex and it's one of the things that I struggle with the most. At the same time, I think it's one of the hardest things to get right. And the other mm. thing I would try is to improve my prose. Because um, mm -hmm. sometimes there's good stuff, but a lot of them, I think, would have a lot of uh, um, sentences or paragraphs would have been improved by just speaking them out loud and then realizing yeah. when there's uh, consonances or alliteration. I think those are the terms, but I'm not certain if it translates. Yeah. So just mistakes in terms of, uh, it's very light mistake, but those are stylistic mistakes that uh, when it, people read them, read the story in their head, they will hitch mm -hmm. on a few words or uh, there's a, mm -hmm. a sound that will be repeated too often, et cetera. And those are actually quite mm -hmm. easy to fix. You just have to read the thing out loud or at least out loud in your head and then you can already improve uh, the, the entire thing. So th those are the two things I would uh, definitely work on. Uh, there is one last thing, but it's like only for Pokemon Bob is realize you need to plan your system well in advance from the beginning to the end or else <laughs> you're absolutely a mess of things and everybody who likes Delve or uh, uh, Elaine's story, Minister Dragon of Mine will absolutely hate your guts because your skills make no <laughs> sense. They don't advance in the right thing and where's your table of statistic at the end of each chapter and just like, I, just, I should have taken little oh, RPG no. aspect much more seriously than I did. Great, oh, great no. thing. I mean... I mean, for the flow, I guess you'll just have to get kicked in the balls a lot more. No, 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 um, no, stop mentioning <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, no, pros in the flow is, is much more a thing of just speaking the things and reading the things. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the reasons why I love it so much is because I I don't like poems, but I love poetry. Um, so Okay, how does that work? Like Darkest Dungeon, for example. Yeah. That's not poems, but it's poetry. Uh, the narrator, you mean? Yeah, the narrator, for example, um, mortality clarified in a singular strike. My God, that's good, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I love those. And I wish at some point I can write as well as the guys who wrote The Secret World. God, it's such a good story. Uh, the Secret World was an amazing story held back by the fact that it's a video game, unfortunately. But... Um, they have these collectibles that are literally just story. You collect it for the story, and most people collect them all because the story is so good. Yeah, that reminds me uh, of uh, I think a series of games like a Cultist Simulator, and, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, mm -hmm. I think I, I think that's what you're referring to. Then like just great writing in general. Yeah, mm, yeah, absolutely. You're right. We, we always need to keep the value of a great prose in mind when we write. Never grow complacent because. Uh, of a confidence is a yeah. slow and insidious killer. Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, that was very, very, very good. good. I also played Darkest Dungeon, so that's why. It was very, um, yeah, very pleasant. Cool. Awesome. I also love these video games that actually do something with their pros, um, where it's not just a vehicle for, um, for the dialogue. Yeah, it's almost becomes part of the, the game's uh, identity because it's yes. a specific style and just stays with you uh, along with the visuals and everything. Yeah, I think I got it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, of course, is when you do stained glass prose, right? Beautiful to look at, but you can't look through it or there's nothing behind it, which is ironic considering I'm going with the whole like stained glass aesthetic. But um, 
I, I don't want to talk about Name of the Wind again, but um, yeah, Wise Man's Fear. Um, feel free to rent. Is, I don't know, like, it's a meme and people are going to be crossing out their bingo cards by now, but um, Wise Man's Fear, no one ever talks about it because nothing really happens. And it's just a 1,200 page epic. It's just poetry, um, which is great because I love that kind of stuff. But at the end, I felt like, so what actually happened in this book? And the answer was like, not really much. He just went and finger banked an elf. And that, that's something else. Like, I don't know. Like, that's the only thing, only thing I really, really remember. Yeah, it went down. Uh, so know. what you're saying is uh, like stained glass prose is like something that's hiding the lack of content behind the prose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, a concept I did not know. Yeah. I'm very glad to hear about it. Yeah. It, you want your prose to be a window yeah. into the story. And if the prose distracts from what's behind the window, then you have a problem. But also if there's nothing behind it. You um, have a problem. Just, yeah, you have a problem, yeah. And he was all... I mean, I, I spoke about Name of the Wind. One book that you love. And why is it awesome? Uh, one of my favorite uh, authors is actually a couple. And um, it's uh, the, they call themselves Ilona Andrews. And um, they ah. they made one of the, uh, the one of the series that inspired me to write. Actually, they were one of my favorite uh, uh, author. I, I don't know if they're very famous or not. It's very hard to say. And then the series Magic Bites, um, essentially, was oh, a yeah, female yeah, yeah. protagonist and uh, who's a badass. Or you can see the how it was inspirational. And between the two of them, they're really good at everything. So the romance part is very convincing, but also the action part, the police procedural part. Basically, I, I warmly recommend them. Some of their uh, stories are much more romance-oriented. So, uh, like, caveat answer, I guess. But just, like, watch the reviews or read the reviews or something. But otherwise, I think it's one of those uh, the authors who uh, manage to have no no aspect of this story which lags behind the the other like if you have romance you have uh romance within the context so sometimes it's romance within the context of war or romance within the context of legal affairs and you or actions you have action with politics but the politics is really bare bone and and often stereotypical so a lot of stories that have this issue where uh one of the aspects is simply um like at here at the minimum level, mm-hmm. but for them, everything they do, every aspect is really polished. So they were one of the major inspiration for me because they are really like their, their worlds are extremely alive, internally, extremely coherent. Everything sort of makes sense, even though it's fantasy or mm-hmm. post post apocalyptic things. And uh, anyway, really love that. Yeah, right. Was the 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 thing um, mutated tomatoes? It's mutated tomatoes or tomato plague that killed everyone except for like a handful of people and like all the magical beings, and that's why they the magical beings came back out. Uh, isn't it like Kim Harrison series? This one. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Right, we've yeah. read a lot of things in common and played a lot of things. Yeah, uh, it's really amazing to find someone like who has ex- almost exactly the same cultural background as I. <laughs> At least the adult one. I, uh... yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's this uh, yeah, Kim, Kim Harrison, I think, and it's about the um, yeah. like which uh, private detective exactly. Yeah. So which one is the London Henry's one? So basically, it's uh, 
um, the story. The vampire one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are vampires, but they are a very secondary thing and they are presented as bestial creatures, mm. like cursed beings. Oh, yeah. Mm. But the, the idea is that uh, um, there are waves of technology and magic. So when magic returns every day, uh, the, <sighs> the technology fails. And when uh, magic leaves, technology returns. So people have to adapt to having both or neither really functional. Yeah. And like, if you're, if magic is here in uh, with a lot of power, like advanced weapons, uh, don't work anymore and uh, like skyscrapers start to crumble and everything. So the, the setting is post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. and all the, um, all the mythical beings from almost every culture are coming out of the woodworks. You have like Celtic monsters, uh, Yotuns, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Japanese monsters, whatever. Oh. So it's really cool. And the main character um, has access to a very specific word of magic that goes through words of power. Mm. And and a secret identity, which I will uh, keep. Yeah, right. It's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like my my girlfriend at the, at the time read them a lot, and I was like, I'll read those. And um, I actually also I wrote a vampire story based off of that, but I, not in for road things. No, I, mean, I should so. read more uh, traditional fantasy. To be honest, it's just um, no time. It's so hard. Also, ever since I started writing myself again it's so hard to read because you always feel as though you should be writing instead you should be writing instead or you want to write so if i read a story that's just that's just slightly off of what i would have written i my mind goes like how can I use this in my story? And I'm like, ah, oh, no, <laughs> let me get into this. Or the, the Raven's Dagger curse or of when he stops writing for one month, he, he starts three new projects at the same time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raven. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I, okay, I, I will come down. I will only write six series at once. Takes one day off. I got two new ideas. I just kind of, I can fit them in somewhere. Yeah, that's Raven. Okay, and, and he makes them all work. So I don't know what. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling at two. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, also the podcast is, of course, a bit of a series. So and time consuming, I imagine. Eh. Okay, so we are almost at the one hour mark. Do you want to do shout outs? Uh, yeah. Um, there is um. Uh, two story I'd like to shout out. Um, one of them is uh, from a, okay, so it's a friend of mine. So, but mm-hmm. I really love it, and it's called uh, Night Nation, and it's it's probably what I would want mm-hmm. my children to read as a coming of age story. Um, well, 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 it's a new ad. If you are interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under CritRPG dot podcast at gmail.com for now i just finished the first book in my own series torchbearer if you like a slow burn story about weak to op main characters mixing magic and technology and numbers going up you might also enjoy this one you can find the link to my link tree down below and that's all for now thank you very much for listening and or watching and let's get on with the show mm-hmm. night, night nation it's um on partly on Royal Road, I think, but it's, it should have migrated to Amazon as part of KU. And um, the, it's the story of a, a girl who is in a village uh, in a fantasy world and 
is cut off from magic and it's her, her journey from someone who's not accepted by the community and turning into her own. And what I like is that a lot of such stories of coming of age story are all about uh, finally being accepted by the community or something. But that person doesn't do it. She sets off on her own and, and actually finds her people. I mean, not her actual people, but more uh, found family. And there's a, a lot of the importance of um, being able to have self-esteem, saying no, uh, uh, setting boundaries, accepting that other people don't have your best interest at heart, etc. But at the same time, mm -hmm. remaining open to friendship and being there for others, etc are all uh, very present and I really, uh, I really enjoyed the story. So, uh, it's one of the lesser unknown stories on Royal Rotom. And, uh, mm. the other one, let me find the exact name because it's a, it's a Ostomi name. So <laughs> it's always very long, uh, memoirs of your local small time villainess. So the way mm. I like it is it, it starts with the basic plot, which is the person, uh, someone who is reincarnating into the body of, uh, uh, basically like a, a, a meat boss and not exactly, but even worse than that, like the, the, t almost the tutorial boss. And the way it's interesting is that the main character has a very advanced understanding of the world she's in, but it's also an extremely complex mm -hmm. uh, world with politics. Religion is very present and it's also not the traditional, uh, or oh, the inquisition is bad, etc. trope. No, it's, it goes very deep into, <laughs> and the main character is forced into the psyche of her, her host. I mean, the person she replaces mm -hmm. and the person she replaces is haughty, distant, arrogant, and just, she can't help herself. So there is a, uh, this noble personality that she can't give up on, that she can't cast off. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's just not, I don't know, it, it really feels like a mysterious, noble person, mastermind character mm -hmm. who knows everything. And it's really fairly well done. I, I really enjoyed it. And the last story. Oh, sorry. Yes. No, you're, you're fine. You're, you're killing me. I, I, I don't have the time for all the stories. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds very good. Okay. Last one. Uh, if you don't know it, God Clads uh, by Mamo. God Clads. Of course, Which tells the story of uh, it's the, the world building. It's incredible, and the prose is to die for. And it's it's basically um, a magical planet with a mega city at its at its center, and uh, the mega city is like hosts billions of people over several layers, mm. and it's it's beautiful and complex. And the main character is basically um, a ghost based hacker who happens to be a monster, mm. and it's one of those unique. Uh, stories that came out of nowhere and that th there's no real comparison. The only, uh, the only for me comparable story in terms of world building, originality and prose is a uh, craft sequence by Alex, uh, Gladstone, Maxim. Ah, Gladstone, I think. Max, Max Gladstone. Gladstone. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. You're, you're, oh, Max, so good. you're Max. I'm Alex. So I, I got it mixed. But yes, <laughs> Maxim Gladstone craft sequence. For me, it's only stories that's comparable in terms of everything. And it's really that good. Yeah. So yeah, God Clats. God Clats. Also yeah. God Clats is is definitely God here. I think yeah. um I think one of the one of the reviews said that it's it's a story where people are wearing the taxidermied corpses of gods to gain power. Yeah. Um and that just says it all. I think it's a there's a bit of necromunda in there. There's a bit of 
Eldritch Horror in there. There's a bit of, well, lots, lots of Max Gladstone, very good prose in there. Yes. Also add to the list because the, the cooperation, wars, and the uh, extraterritoriality mm. extra uh, aspect is strong. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a really good story. Yeah, he came out of nowhere, right? Mammal kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and we're lucky we have him because he's a, a Seno Shanghainese. Actually, yeah, oh. yeah. so yeah. let me tell you, this man is extremely busy and uh, the, the amount of text he manages to pull out of, I don't know where, but like, he's like constant state of death march. Anyway. Yeah, death yeah, march. Brilliant yeah. guy. I, I don't know how he does it and I really wish he would. Yeah. Um, if he knew how but I hard think, he work, you would absolutely not believe he can produce that much and at that level of quality. I, I think I know he's active on Code, and I'm like, hot damn, I, I could. Yeah, me neither. But maybe it's also this like constant state of near death that makes him write the prose that he does. So maybe it's, just, maybe it's, not, maybe, maybe it's not talent, maybe just delirium. <laughs> he's like a shonen protagonist always pushed to his limits to produce the perfect yeah, exactly. content. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mammal, if you're listening to this, go take care of yourself. Please, when you... please. Also, owe you a beer. Um. All right. Cool. Um. Well, we're at one hour and four minutes, and I guess this is the main episode. Um. If you like this and you want some bonus content, well, there's always my Patreon because I need money and I need to live. Um. Also, there's Alex's Patreon. You can subscribe to many of his tiers, and he, oh, he's he got so much stuff on there. It's so good. Just go on Royal Road. None of my stories are on KU right now, so they're all pretty mostly sold. Yeah. I can see you're a very shrewd businessman. <laughs> I, I catch them with uh, the, the Patreon that's like six months in advance. And then once they're into, in it, they realize they can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> You just activated his trap card. All right. No, cool. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed the video. Um, I hope you enjoyed my graying hair uh, and my cool bullet outfit. And <laughs> I'll see you guys next time. And if you're on Patreon, then the show keeps going. 